the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Black talking money, finances, getting into retirement kind of stuff. Still a bullet shot into the stock market with Patrick O'Hare, chief market strategist with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Good to be back with you. It's always great to have you. Um, let's refresh the listeners and tell me a little bit about what you do for a living and your credentials. Well, um, for the last 18 years, I've been employed at Briefing.com. I currently serve as the chief market analyst, uh, and what I do on a day-to-day basis is try to distill all of the um, various inputs uh, from economic data to earnings news to geopolitical headlines uh, in a manner for our readers that's very digestible and easy to to understand, and and ultimately, you know, the end goal, not just from what I do, but from what Briefing.com does, is to present information in in a straightforward manner uh, that makes it easier for investors with a self-directed nature, primarily, um, to make better informed decisions. Okay. Um, how about credentials? Are you a CFA? What, what sort of education do you have? I'm not. I graduated from uh, Vanderbilt University with a BA in uh, history, of all things, okay. um, and uh, found my way into uh, into this business um, by way of a job opening here at Briefing.com, which has put a strong emphasis on analysis and uh, and writing skills, which uh, uh, both of which were necessary as part of my um, my degree, uh, and I continue to employ both those things. Uh, uh, all day, every week, and uh, and love doing it. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like you and I have. I'll speak for myself. I've got one of the coolest jobs because I get to do financial media twenty four seven three six five, and it translates into a pretty good you know skill for friends and family. Like people are like, "Hey, how's the market doing?" And I'm like, "Hey, I got I have an opinion on that for you." Um, okay, so you write the column that I love, page one, briefing dot com. And you wrote about something about possibility brewing today. And we kind of have mm-hmm. gotten, we're already in the second month of the year. The year's starting to move. Um, but there kind of seems to be a positive vibe, some possibilities out there. Give me a little more color on that. 
Well, there is. You know, I think that the market uh, obviously has responded well in February after a, a disappointing showing in January. Um, that's not unlike what we saw in, in 2014. Um, and uh, a lot of that uh, had to do with uh, Apple saving the day, really, for this uh, fourth quarter reporting season. Um, Recall it had a blowout report, uh, kind of changed the dynamic, and when um, Apple started to increase nicely, uh, you know, it's the largest uh, company by market capitalization, and, and it certainly had an outsized impact on the performance of the S&P 500 in February, but it kind of had this nice uh, halo effect that uh, reminded people that when you're putting out good products and good services, there's still plenty of demand for those types of things. Um, but in a broader sense, we think that the market is is trying to get its mind around this idea that uh, despite all of the headline hysteria that is building feverishly these days around Greece and its negotiations with the Troika, that a worst-case scenario won't unfold. Um, and we can understand why the market thinks that way because for the past you know six years or so, um, the the policymakers have not allowed worst-case scenarios to unfold. There's always been an 11th-hour solution that uh, reorients the markets, thinking uh, that there's this uh, enduring central bank put that keeps the floor under the market and keeps uh, the desire to buy on these pullbacks intact. Um, so we're kind of, uh, we, I think we're more at a crossroads here. Uh, the market is is down, you know, slightly year to date, pretty much flat, I guess you could say. Um, and I don't think that's, uh, you know, I think that what I should say is I think that that's probably, you know, going to be indicative of what we see through the first half of the year, certainly, um, as you get this sort of chop, um, because you're going to be balancing geopolitical and global economic slowdown concerns against the strength of the U.S. economy and the prospect of the Fed uh, diverging from other central banks and actually raising interest rates. Uh, and there's going to be this tug of war that takes place here. And we're ultimately going to need to see the flow through in okay. stronger earnings growth and the positive impact of lower gas prices shine through in uh, economic data in coming months to kind of give the market that bullish kickstart that it's been lacking so far. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com. I, like I said, I start every day reading your page one column. Um, it's kind of a cheat sheet for me. You know, if I don't do my homework, I can always start with your work, and uh, I'm proud to cheat off you. I think you're one of the best in the business. It, let's talk a little bit about, it seems like, financial media, that we've been reporting for a while, like, yeah, earnings aren't that great. Revenue's just okay. Do we get to a point where we, it seems like it's been since the 90s since revenue was great. We seem to be managing... Mm -hmm earnings through maybe some layoffs here, some productivity there. We don't seem as robust as we could be. Is, is that a fair statement, and do we get there? I think it's absolutely a fair statement. Um, you know, it's the, the quality of the uh, earnings growth uh, hasn't been, you know, that terrific, but uh, by virtue of this very low interest rate environment that's existed for so long now, uh, companies have uh, had the you know, financial wherewithal to repurchase a lot of stock that helps drive that uh, earnings per share number despite uh, some relatively lackluster sales growth. Uh, that's really a function of uh, generally weak aggregate demand as uh, as the global economy 
tries to continue to dig itself out from, you know, the greatest financial crisis uh, since the Great Depression, you know, and that uh, is no small feat. And we're seeing that uh, clearly these days when you consider just how much policy largesse has been introduced over the last six years. And yet you still have a U.S. economy that can't achieve escape velocity. And you have a Eurozone economy and a Japanese economy that's still, you know, trying to, you know, it's on the cusp of deflation. And so um, it's disturbing from that standpoint, but uh, it is a reflection of uh, the necessity of time to heal these wounds. And uh, you just have to grow accustomed to some of these head fakes along the way. Uh, But, uh, you know, we would have expected to see, you know, better uh, signals of growth, not just here in the U.S., but around the globe at this point, and they're just not resonating yet. I saw today Coca-Cola came out with better-than-expected earnings. Um, is that something that, as an analyst, maybe you kind of tend to favor the big blue-chip American company, the Nikes, the Coca-Colas, the Visas? They seem to be able to do no bad over time. Like, they're going to earn, whether it's $1 billion or $10 million, it seems like they're going to earn billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Is, is that in your thesis anywhere? Well, it is, and uh, you know, and, and uh, given what we just talked about, you know, uh, Coca-Cola's revenue was actually down two percent, you know, year over year okay. too, um, and their earnings growth was, you know, a non-GAAP uh, number, so their their net income actually dropped year over year. Um, but it, but that said, you know, I, you might have talked about the story of the janitor that was appearing on CNBC.com yesterday that you know, passed away and he had $8 million saved, right? No one even knew it. And the the way he got there reportedly was by owning these, you know, tried and true American blue chip companies, AT&T, General Motors, General Electric, companies that pay a dividend, right? And I have no doubt that those dividends were being reinvested. And, you know, from a longer term standpoint, uh, you know, there's plenty of historical uh, data that would suggest uh, there's certainly the benefit in a total return strategy, um, and he was uh, absolute proof of that. And so there's going to be volatility. These companies will fall out of favor for certain periods of time, but uh, their historical track record suggests that they, you know, they get their cost structure right, um, the financials in order, and they come back around and, and show that they've uh, got some great ingenuity to help drive uh, renewed earnings growth that ultimately leads to them uh, uh, you know, getting better cash flow and having that ability to continue to raise their dividends. True story. I had a friend back in the 1990s who was a janitor who worked at AOL, and he said they went from one desk on one floor to two floors to three floors to two people at a desk 24 hours a day. So he said basically his cleaning work, his janitorial work doubled, and he kept buying more as the company expanded, mm-hmm. and that was his only knowledge of the company. Mm-hmm. If they're adding desks, they must be doing something right. And he got $8 million, and his wife was furious at yeah. him because she kept telling him to sell, and he kept buying more. But I, I find that to be a, yeah. a, a nice remembrance because he actually has passed away since then. But he had $8 million just from something as trivial as keeping his eyeballs on on business. Okay, Pat. We've got less than a minute. Any last things you want to throw out there as far as uh, things we need? Yeah. 
Yeah, watch the watch the January retail sales report on Thursday. Um, you know, we're looking okay. for a, a you know, turnaround from the disappointing December number, and with the strong payrolls report, we should see spending. You should see consumer spending pick up. If not, I'll be used as a, a source of disappointment. The market's probably not likely to react well to that. Thanks very much. That is the one, the only Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. Um, great resource. There is, but he's just one of many at Briefing.com. You want something that's non-biased? Check him out, Briefing.com. Check me out, Rob at RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Here's the KDOW AM 1220. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 